Well, it is good to be together today as we celebrate and worship together. I also, today, is a day where we can formally and officially introduce our next-gen youth pastor, who is now formally and officially on staff. She's going to be kind of getting herself integrated into our congregation. She said something in her prayer that this is like coming full circle, and surely it is for us, for uh, Leandra Marchand, who was a teen in our own youth group and a student, a child and teen growing up in this church, and um, she affectionately is, goes by Pastor Leo, but we are so grateful that she is with us, and I'm going to ask Pastor Leo if she would just come on up. Let's welcome our youth pastor. Now... We're going to have an official installation in September. Um, there's a couple of people who can't be here for an installation, and there's one young man we want to make sure is going to be here for an installation. So we'll do that in September, but a very significant event has taken place, and Pastor Mary is going to go ahead and, and help us understand what's happened and just acknowledge that. And then after that, share with us the Word of God. These are for you, Leandra. I get the privilege of welcoming you, welcoming you back to us. We're so grateful that you're going to be part of the staff here at Community Chapel in the months ahead, and we're just excited about what God's going to teach us through you, and maybe we'll teach you one or two things, too. So we're excited about the journey that's ahead. We're grateful for these four years of your learning. And by the way, we're looking at the valedictorian of ENC for 2023. <laughs> but even more excited for you for what took place on Friday night during these same four years. She's been working on the ordination track and doing her studies and ministry um, in some other local churches, and um, Friday night she was issued her district license at ENC at the ordination service. So we want to congratulate you on that and welcome you to this new part of your journey and so grateful that you're here with us to do that. All right. I can take those back on. Well, good morning. It's so good to be with you all today. And I'm so glad that I get to come back as a part of the pastoral staff now. Um, that song that we sang earlier, Come As You Are by Crowder, is having sort of a surreal moment because that's the song that I came to know Christ through. Um, and so to be here standing today as Pastor Leo now is kind of crazy and just a, a testament to how good the Lord has been. Um, Thank you for all of you who have welcomed me so far. I've gotten so many texts and um, hugs, and I'm just so grateful for the embrace. Um, and my fellow graduates today, congratulations. You did it. Well, we actually, we did it, I guess, because I'm included in that. Um, I just graduated from Eastern Nazarene College uh, with my undergraduate degree in youth ministry, and these past four or so months have been a whirlwind. Um, if you're one of my fellow graduates today, or if you've been there, you know how much of a whirlwind that can be. But in the middle of all of the frantic activity, 
God has been teaching me something, and I'd like to share a little bit about that with you today. This morning, we're going to be talking about moving from straining to seeing. And I hope that this is a message for everyone here today, but graduates, I really hope this is a message for you today. This is what God has been teaching me in the midst of my transition season. And this time of graduating and moving on to what's next is so exciting, but it's also really stressful. And there are going to be challenges in the transition. And there's going to be challenges ahead as you navigate whatever is next in life. But I want you to know today that in the middle of whatever straining and striving and exhaustion might come, the Lord is going to be with you in the middle of it. There's going to be times when the winds of life push back a little bit, but the Lord is going to be working in the middle of it. And so today our scripture is going to invite us to move from straining against those winds to looking up and finding Jesus even in the middle of them. We're going to be reading from Mark chapter 6 this morning. So if you'd like to make your way over there in your Bibles today or maybe your Bible apps, I'd invite you to do so now. Um, and as you find your way there, I'd like to tell you a story. This past spring break, I had the honor of going on a working witness trip to Honduras. And it was an incredible trip. We got to partner with local Honduran pastors and construction workers and start to build a new church campus in northern Honduras. And God moved in some incredible ways while we were there. If you'd like to hear about that a little bit more, come find me later. But this really amazing trip was bookended by complete chaos. Complete chaos. We had traveling difficulties on the way there. Our sight was changed last minute. We had people who had forgotten their prescription meds and like, how do you get those in a foreign country? It was crazy. But at the very end of our trip, on our way back to Boston, we ran into some crazy traveling difficulties. And we piled in the vans on the day we were supposed to leave and we made our way down the winding, dusty mountain roads to Palmarola International Airport. And we made it through security and customs all right. And then we touched down at Miami International Airport. And we had an hour to catch our next flight back to Boston. We got stuck on the tarmac for half an hour. And so by the time we get off the plane, we have to just book it to get our bags, to go through customs again, and to get to our next flight in this massive, like massive airport. And we had members of our team ranging from age 19 to well in their 60s. And so some of us could move real well. <laughs> And some of us couldn't. So getting to our next flight in this huge airport was going to be a challenge. So we sent our fastest people, I was not one of them, <laughs> to sprint ahead to our gate in hopes that we could beg the flight attendants to hold the flight until everyone got there. So our fastest members, they get there just a few minutes before boarding completely closes. And they say, hey, this is our boarding number, like our team is on the way, we need like maybe five minutes, can you please hold the plane for us? And the flight attendant looks at them and she says, I'm so sorry, 
but we've already pulled your tickets because your large group missed your boarding group. So it's about 9 p.m. and it's spring break week and now we have to try to figure out how to rebook flights for a group of 16 people. So we wait in the two hour long line with the rebooking agents and when we get to the end of it, we find out that there's nothing available until the next Monday. We were gonna be stuck in Miami for seven days with classes to get back to or full-time jobs to attend to. What in the world are we gonna do? And something you gotta know about me is I have like pretty significant anxiety that I struggle with. So like normal airport travel days, awful. This day, whew, real bad. <laughs> And so three of our team leaders, they make their way to the rental car agency, like hoping that it's not closed yet, that they get there in time. And they manage to secure the last three rental vehicles that are available. And so our group makes our way across the airport and we pile in and we start driving. 24 straight hours back up to Boston. Now, I don't know if you've ever had some crazy travel experiences or if maybe you've ever been up for obscene amounts of time. But when you're sleep deprived and nutrient deprived, hadn't eaten in a long time, you start to go a little bit delirious. And so we're in the car and my job at this point, it's probably about four in the morning, is to keep the driver awake. I'm in the passenger seat, everyone else is asleep. I've got to keep them awake. Well, I did that, not in a good way though. We're driving, and you kind of start to see things not quite as they are when you're really tired. So I see something out of the corner of my eye on the side of the highway, and I let out this big gasp. <gasps> and the driver's like, oh my gosh, is everything okay? Like, what's happening? And I all of a sudden get really embarrassed, and I was like, nothing, nothing's happening. And they look over to a large bush on the side of the road that we're about to approach, and they're like, what, is something in it? Like, what's happening? And I was like, well, I sort of thought it was a large bear for a second there, about to step in front of us. Now, I'd woken the whole car up at this point, because <laughs> I freaked out. See, I hadn't let my eyes focus enough before I reacted. When we're exhausted, like beyond exhausted, we don't see things for how they really are. Our disciples, in our passage for today, they know this feeling really well. Let's read from Mark chapter 6, starting at verse 45. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. And later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and Jesus was on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. And shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. He was about to pass them by. But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because all saw him and were terrified. Immediately, he spoke to them and said, take courage. It is I, don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely amazed. This is the word of the Lord. 
See, at the beginning of our passage today, Jesus sends his disciples on ahead of him to Bethsaida. And on their way, they run into some traveling difficulties. It says that they were straining at the oars because the wind was against them. I want you to picture this scene with me. The disciples are three to six miles from any shoreline at this point. It's late into the hours of the night. And they have been rowing and rowing and rowing for hours. And now they run into this windstorm and there is no easy way out of it. They're too far from any shore to like pull over and wait for it to pass by. They have to just keep pushing. Their muscles are burning. Their eyes are watering. The wind's like whipping them in their face. They don't know what they're going to do. And then Jesus starts walking out to them on the water. But you see, at this point, they are exhausted. They are tired of the straining. I don't know if maybe you've ever felt like that. Now, I imagine none of us have ever been out in a boat rowing in the middle of the night in a windstorm. Like, I hope not, because that sounds awful. But I can imagine that most of us have been tired of straining at some point. Graduates, maybe you were tired of straining against your final exams or that thesis deadline that just kept pounding on your door. Maybe you've been tired of straining against the broken family relationships that you have to face every day, or the addiction that just won't let you go. Maybe you're tired of straining against cancer or health issues, or tired of straining against mental health struggles. I don't know what you have been straining through or what you might strain through in the future, but I know that God does something in the middle of our straining. Jesus saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. And shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. God does something in the middle of the straining. And at this point in our story, when Jesus starts walking out to them on the lake, we might be thinking like, oh, yes, rescue is coming. The disciples are going to be saved. And if we've read through the earlier chapters of Mark, we're probably even filled with more of this hopeful anticipation. Because in chapter 4 of the Gospel of Mark, the disciples were in a very similar situation with Jesus. They were on a boat with him in the sea, and there was a storm. And he rebuked the wind and the waves, and the storm calmed down. So when we hear those words, like Jesus started walking out to them on the water, it's like, whew, rescue's coming. But Jesus throws us for a loop here. It says Jesus was about to pass them by. What? Jesus intended to walk right past the disciples? What in the world is Jesus doing? Why would he want to leave them in their time of need? At first, it seems pretty harsh 
maybe even like neglectful. But when we dig a little bit deeper, we find out that what Jesus is doing is certainly for the good of his disciples. You see, the author of the Gospel of Mark, he is very careful when he chooses his words as he gives us this account of Jesus and his disciples. He says Jesus was about to pass them by. When he uses that word pass, he's alluding to the ways that God has revealed himself before. When God revealed himself to Moses, he passed him by. See, when Moses was leading the Israelites, he asks God, who's going to go with me and help me? Like, you've given me all these people to lead. How am I supposed to do this? And in Exodus 33, verse 14, the Lord replies to Moses, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. So Moses says to God, okay, well, like, can you show me that presence? <laughs> like, okay, can you show me your glory, God? And the Lord replies, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. And then, in chapter 34, God does exactly what he says he was going to do. In verse 6, it says, the Lord passed in front of Moses. God reveals himself by passing by. The same word is used when God reveals himself to Elijah in 1 Kings 19. It says that the Lord said to Elijah, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. See, when Mark tells us that Jesus was about to pass the disciples by, he's telling us that Jesus was trying to reveal his identity to them. He was trying to show them who he was, that he was the divine son of God. He's not abandoning them or ignoring them. He's trying to reveal himself to them. But our disciples have been rowing for hours, and they're exhausted. And in their straining, they fail to see Jesus right in front of him. When he walks out, they don't see him for what he is. Instead, they see a ghost. Right? I saw a grizzly bear where there was a bush. The disciples, they see a ghost where there is Jesus, the Lord walking on the water, trying to reveal himself to them. They miss it because in the middle of their straining, they haven't looked up long enough to let their eyes focus and see what's really going on. Have you ever failed to see the Savior because all you can focus on is the straining? I have. Back in that Miami airport, I missed some really important things. I was overwhelmed by anxiety. I was exhausted. I was irritated and frustrated, and I was hungry. And I almost missed what God was doing. Just as we began our 24-hour drive home, we had all piled into the vans. And my driver was Sam Kish. Some of you might know him. Um, 
And Sam was trying to like reorient us in our frustration. And Sam, he started telling us this story of what had happened earlier in that night. He was in line in security and there was a man next to him and they struck up a conversation. And Sam learned that this man's father was dying. And then Sam learned that this man's father was dying in a hospital in Boston. And that this man was on standby for the very flight that we were supposed to take, trying to get back in time to say goodbye to his father. And we actually know that that man got on that plane. He made the flight. And as Sam was telling us this story, he said, this is frustrating, but we don't know how God is working through those 20 or so seats that are now available because we aren't on that plane. And even if just that one man gets to make it back to say goodbye to his father, it's worth it in my eyes. You see, Sam wasn't consumed by the straining and the wind. He had looked up long enough to let his eyes focus and see what God was doing. And I almost missed it. I almost missed how God was working if Sam hadn't reminded me, hadn't told this story, I might have never known. In our passage, the disciples are tired from the straining and they miss what Jesus is doing. They don't see that he's trying to reveal his glory to them, they see a ghost, and they cry out. But check out how Jesus responds. Immediately, he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely amazed. See, the disciples, they missed the moment. But Jesus still reveals to them who he is. He tells them, it is I. And in saying those words, he actually mirrors God's self-identification at the beginning of Exodus when Moses asks God, what do I call you? And God says, I am who I am. Jesus says, it is I. And then he says the words, don't be afraid, which are the same words that the Lord God said to the Israelites at Mount Sinai when he was revealing his presence to them there and they were terrified. Jesus, in his language, is identifying himself with the almighty I am. He's still revealing to the disciples who he is. And as he steps into the boat, the winds die down. He's still showing them his glory, his power, his divinity. You see, sometimes we miss the moment. But when we cry out, God still reveals himself. I am so grateful for that. That is a merciful and gracious and loving God. 
But I don't want to miss the moment anymore. I don't want to be distracted by the straining. I don't want to miss what Jesus is doing. I don't want to miss the moment anymore. I could have missed it in that Miami airport if it wasn't for Sam's story. And I look back now and I'm like, how could you have not seen God working? Like, we secured the last three rental vans that they had available. And it was exactly what our group needed to get us home. That wasn't a coincidence, it was God's provision. But I couldn't see it. I almost missed the moment. I am grateful for a God who responds when we cry out, even if we are too consumed by our straining to see what he's already doing. But I don't want to miss the moment anymore. You see, the disciples, they see a ghost where there is Jesus. And I can't help but wonder if they were expecting rescue instead of revelation. How often do we do that? Right? Sometimes because we are expecting or maybe wanting rescue instead of revelation, we miss the Lord right in front of us, trying to pass us by and show us who he is. I don't want to miss that moment anymore. So, I guess our question is how do we not miss it? How in the world do we move from straining to seeing? Well, I think we stop. We stop rowing for just a minute and we look up. We let our eyes focus. We stop. We spend time in prayer with the Lord. We stop and we Sabbath. These are all ways that we help our eyes focus. We sang today, I'll lift my eyes, right? Psalm 121, I will lift my eyes. That's so important. We have to find ways to lift our eyes. We stop and we go for a walk in God's creation where he reveals himself abundantly. We stop. But I think even the disciples struggle with stopping. I think we struggle with stopping. See, the disciples, they are trying to get to Bethsaida. Jesus sent them, and they are trying so hard to meet Jesus there that they miss him right next to them. Gosh, I think we do that a lot. I've done that far too much. Where I'm straining and pushing so hard to get to where Jesus is sending me or where I think I need to be going that I miss Jesus right next to me. Right? Don't we do that sometimes? 
Beloved church, sometimes we think we can't stop because then we're not going to get to where we're going. But church, please don't strain so hard trying to get to the next thing that you miss Jesus passing right in front of you. Graduates, life is going to get busy. Life is probably busy right now. And as you pursue God's calling on your life, which is so good, please pursue that. As you pursue, though, take time to stop. Don't get so caught up in the straining and the rushing to where God is sending you that you miss it when Jesus is right next to you. In a moment, we're going to come to the table and the worship band is going to come up and lead us and worship through music. And church, we're going to take a moment and we're going to stop here. My prayer is that we don't miss this moment today. God's presence is here in this place, in this bread, in this juice. Jesus is longing to pass in front of us right now. Don't miss the moment, church. God is here longing to meet with you, longing to reveal himself to you. Church, don't miss the moment. As we share in this meal, let its meaning sink in. What Jesus has done for us, what Jesus continues to do for us, the God who comes to us walking on the water, longing to show us who he is. And the same God who, when we cry out, says, okay, I got you. Don't miss this moment.